people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want, want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello, this is Sri Chalapa with People Strategy Leaders Podcast. And today I have the pleasure of an industry leading analyst, Sarah White. Sarah White is the CEO of Aspect 43, a leading analyst advisory and a strategy firm. And they're the experts behind the greatest names in HR and work tech. She was previously an analyst at Burson, led strategy at Cornerstone on demand and clear company in the past as well. So she has a lot of experience in the space of talent management and insights in talking to thousands of HR leaders and vendors in the space. So I am really excited to talk to you to really understand how the space is evolving. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. So Sarah, you just came back from one of the biggest shows uh, on the HR tech that uh, was in, uh, I guess, Vegas uh, last month or earlier this month. Um, What were the key takeaways that you had in terms of how organizations are adapting to the shifting way we work. Um, And then also, you know, a follow-up to that is how technology needs to change to support that. Yeah, I think first and foremost, it was one of the biggest shows as far as the number of vendors that were exhibiting from even before COVID happened. Um, So it was really amazing to see there were close to um, four or 500 vendors on the expo floor. Uh, 8,500 attendees that were actually there. It was a very large show. Um, And it felt significantly larger even than the one in 2019 did. And I don't know if it's just because we've all been away from the trade shows for so long, um, or if it actually was a lot larger, but you could feel the difference this year. And I think one of the biggest shifts that we saw as far as the the technologies was actually a huge focus on the user experience. So we saw more and more tools that were designed for the actual employees, not just for the HR administrators. And I think from a company perspective, what we are seeing is uh, a shift in how they are thinking about their workforce just overall. So far less about like, are we remote, not remote, hybrid, whatever, all of that, but just on a broader scale, how do we think differently about who is working for us? Our research this year showed that for the very first time ever, we've been doing it 12 years, for the first time ever, retention actually outpaced recruiting as the top concern. And so people are realizing, gosh, we can keep recruiting, or if we keep the people we have, we're gonna be able to retain the knowledge, not have to spend as much. There's huge benefits to all other aspects of our business, And so one of the big things that we're seeing both from a process change and and a thoughtfulness within organizations, as well as a technology shift is around talent mobility, which really seems to be kind of the hub technology between talent acquisition, workforce management, employee experience, and talent management. 
And so this one piece really seems to be something that a lot of companies didn't have, quite honestly, um, but where we are seeing it come in. And quite honestly, we're seeing it even for companies that are doing layoffs. So organizations that are getting ready to do layoffs are kind of starting to look at this um, for talent redeployment. Um, so how do we keep who we can and fill some of these jobs? Yeah, I think it was actually an interesting topic. We talked about talent mobility in my podcast, uh, which is not out yet with uh, Kelly Steven Weiss, who's uh, the CEO of Hitch, which was recently acquired by ServiceNow. Um, and we talked about uh, you know the topic of talent mobility being a great tool for retention because there is this um, you know aspect of talent hoarding by managers that has really driven a lot of retention issues in the past. Yeah. And I think organizations are trying to prevent that. The other reason I feel is that um, is that the skills that we need to be successful as an organization actually don't exist in the market, you know, no. or they exist in very very uh, scarce, uh, you know, in the scarce uh, out there. So organizations have to you know move people to adjacent skills to upskill them, and that's probably what's driving it. So I don't know if that's my right assessment or what are your, what are your thoughts um, from talking to I definitely you? think it's part of it. And I think I, I see job postings on LinkedIn all the time, right? And so we see these job postings and they're like, we need, you know, five to eight years of experience. And I'm like, what you're hiring for didn't even exist 36 months ago. How is somebody going to have five to eight years of experience in this? And so I, I think we're going to have to see a trend also of companies having a reality check with their expectations. Like they are unknowledgeable about a lot of the skills um, that are in need. And so they make assumptions, good or bad, about the availability, what there is. We're starting to see some of the technology come up around labor market intelligence and people intelligence, some of this, that's actually able to look at the external workforce. So outside of your organization and identify what skills are available where. And we're starting to see some companies using that, but but at a very kind of remedial level, if you don't have a budget in to do that, sometimes it just takes common sense. And I, I really feel that as businesses, we have lacked common sense for a really, really long time because we didn't have to really, you know, we had the opportunity to be choosy and then all of a sudden we didn't. Yeah. So go going back to the... The, the topic of talent mobility, since it's actually one of my favorite topics too, I think there's a change of behavior that's required too. It's not just a technology, right? The yeah, managers 100%. and the department leaders have to be saying, be okay with quote unquote moonlighting within the same organization essentially. So what are organizations doing to, to change those change those behaviors and build that into the culture? I think one of the things we're seeing is the technology is shifting away from being um, like succession planning. And, and I'm going to fall back on culture because sometimes culture is what actually drives the process changes within the organization. When the, the technology isn't ready to enable the right change of process, it makes it harder for companies to be actually able to do it. So we're finally at a point where the technology can enable the way the process should have been changed in the first place. And so what we're seeing is companies giving this power back to the employees themselves. So it isn't just a, hey, here's our internal job listing, apply for what you're interested in, and then get an approval from your manager and do all of this. The newer systems and the newer technology actually are 
giving organizations a way to enable their process to get put in the hands of the employee. So the employee can say, gosh, here's where I'm at right now. Here's 20 different opportunities that other people have moved into similar types of roles. Here's my personal skills gap, right? Like here's some training in the LMS that maybe I can do on my own, not a leader assigning it to me. Uh, and then here's some different directions of, of paths. And so the process changes that are starting to take place are really taking this out of control of somebody else and letting the employees be the ones that are in control of their own future. And so that's, you know, we're still very much on the early stage of this. And we're on the early stage of this, not because companies didn't want to do it, but it was it was physically impossible to do at scale without the ability to have the technology supporting it. So I think it makes sense when you are, are let's say, as big as you know, GE or IBM or any of those large yeah. enterprises out there. How would that apply to an organization that's maybe mid-sized, like 150, 200 employees? Because that's going to be hard for them to deploy another piece of technology. Yeah, um, and I think some of the tools that are out there really at that size of a company. So I, I kind of consider anything under 500 employees, small business, right? So kind of SMB, small business world. And the tools and the way those are being looked at and what companies are doing is within their other talent management suites or whatever technologies they have, um, a lot of them have this very light and there are some workarounds you can do. When you are small enough at that level, to be honest, like your HR or somebody, one of the leaders that you have in the organization should still have, if you're at 150 employees, you should still have a pretty good grasp on everybody individually within the organization. So I've worked at small companies. I obviously run a small business here, uh, but I've worked at companies in that 100 to 250 range. And for the most part, as a leadership team, we knew who was where, and we made sure to take the time to know who was where. And our process was such that the managers in part were both enabled and rated on how well their team mobilized internally. And this is a decades ago, right? right. So this is old, old school. Um, so there was no idea of technology. But if you are setting it up where it is a expectation as an organization, so from top down, it is how you have your culture set up, that it is about like, we want you to find the right job here. In fact, on our own team, we have an employee that we hired for one thing pretty quickly. We realized like, ah, maybe this isn't the best fit. We're figuring out they're a great employee. We absolutely love them. How do we make them happy? Where is going to be the right thing for them? What are the right skills? All of this. I think too many companies at the larger end get caught up in job descriptions. When you are kind of in that 100 and 250 person role or company, you have a lot of flexibility to create jobs and not just follow the paths that some of the bigger guys have to do. And it opens the door for mobility in an entirely different way than you can have ever imagined. I've never once in my entire career, not one time, had a job where there was a job description that was pre-existing. From my very first job out of college, every single role I've ever had 
was a company custom creating a job to fit my skill set and their needs. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I have started doing in my interviews that I interview, you know, people in our for for our company is to actually ask them to craft what their ideal role would look like. Exactly. I, actually, I describe what their role currently is, but what would it actually look like? You know, what do you enjoy doing? Where are the areas you want to develop and get better at that you might want to do in the future? Yeah. So that I have a sense of the path because whatever I'm hiring the person for today is not the job it's going to be a year or two years out, you know? And, and it's because of many reasons, you know, technology changes, competitive landscape changes, our product direction might change, our organization, you know, uh, expands right. and, and yeah. grows and there are different roles that are required. Um, so that's, I think, a, a good model to adopt. Uh, obviously, you know, I don't know if that's something that has, you've seen that in the interviewing process, but I just started using that recently. I, the, we, I do the same. So I, I am seeing it, but not as often as I wish I did. Um, the other thing we do internally within our company is I check in about every six months and I say, craft me what your job actually is today. Like, you know, not, I don't need a full formal HR job description, but like, what are you actually doing and what would you like your job description to look like for the next six months? So we do every six months of check-in, you know, we're, we're rapidly growing. We're in a high, high growth business. And so things are changing constantly. Our team is expanding. Um, everything is growing really quickly. And so as it grows, more and more opportunities present. And so let's make sure people are doing what they want to do and their skills are aligned. And maybe what they pick the last six months isn't necessarily where they felt like they had strength. They wanted to test it a little bit, take on a couple more projects and then realize, nope, not for me. And then we can pull those back and then they can focus on something else that is going to be a better fit. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on a spot for for a second here. (laughs) Since you are an analyst and you're looking out, not only what's happening today, but what might happen in the future. What does a workplace in five years or thereabouts look like? It's going to be the same, but also different. I think we're going to see, and part of this is going to depend in the U.S. on what happens with healthcare, right? One of the biggest factors of why people don't go um, out on their own and do as much of the freelance side of it really is because of the cost of healthcare. And even with the exchange and everything, healthcare rates are absolutely outrageous. And so there's a little bit of a safety. Um, For the companies. Let's exclude that part of it. Yeah. If we're looking at just uh, the rest of it, we're going to continue to see an increase in contingent work. And we're already starting to see this merger of contingent and freelance workers, along with the longer term contractors that are in place, especially in the larger organizations. And they're all going to be coming together to be really part of one team versus being as separated. And so with that, it's going to demand far less on remote, in-person. I think right now everybody's pushing for in-person just to see kind of like with the vaccine mandates, like we're going to do this. And people are like, yeah, no, we're not. And then they're like, no, we're not. I think that's what we're seeing right now with coming back in person. There's a push to see, well, we already have the contracts on the buildings for the next two years. Let's just bring everybody back. We're going to see pushback. Um, And so I think that will fall off a little bit more than what people's fear is. And we will really continue to go remote first for most organizations. Um, Beyond that, we're going to start seeing a lot more specialists. So especially in small to mid-sized companies, 
where you might not need a full-time designer, but you have one designer that you work with that is a contractor for your company, not from a company, but an individual freelancer that you work with over and over. And we're starting to see this already happen in the smaller companies. So one of the things that's very interesting over the next five years that's going to happen is typically and historically in the U.S., it has been what happens in big companies funnels down to the small companies. We are going to see that flip. What is happening in small companies is now funneling up to the largest of companies, specifically around that contingent freelance and contractor market. Um, the technology itself is already starting to be released, starting to be designed, um, and starting to be roadmapped for the larger vendors um, around what that means and how performance reviews, talent mobility, people intelligence, how that includes not just our core W2 workers, but everybody that is part of our broader team together. Love it. I I, I cannot agree with you more, to be honest. You know, and I think <laughs> I 100% agree that and one of the things I've been talking about and the word I've been using a lot is giving employees agency. Yes. Um, and I was talking to another uh, founder who was a, was a CRO of uh, Predictive Index. Now he's on his, he's gone on his own to start a company. And we, we had this really good, interesting discussion around, you know, people need agency. So it's going to be very much like the baseball analogy, you know, where you have players and the players have their own agency. And it's going to have a version of that in the workplace where people have the agency and they could become freelancers or they could be freelancers within the company with a floating workforce. Yes. That can be uh, that can be uh, you know harnessed uh, at will from different organizations within the organization itself. So I think that's that's the future for the most part. And what uh, you know what I think is going to drive that even more is that even with this impending recession, actually the data came out this morning. I was listening to on Yahoo Finance. Uh, we actually did have two consecutive quarter, quarters of GDP shrinkage. So technically, we yeah, are in a recession. I mean, we can we can pretend it's not. We're in a recession. We are in a recession. Right? The data we actually proves it now. So. Like so I think with even with the recession, the talent shortage is not going away because millions of people have quit the workforce. Yes. Immigration policy is extremely tight. People are having best ba less babies. So where are you yeah. going to get the workers from? You know, it's going to have to be remote. It's going to be have to be international. It's going to have to be in a situation where we have this amorphous cloud orga called organization, which is which is pervasive right. across across the uh, across the world. Well, and, you know, they're, they're predicting another million people will be laid off before the end of the year, this year, right? Like we're probably going to see some significant layoffs still um, before the end of the year. And if that happens, a lot of those people are probably just going to go into freelancing. I mean, look at things like Upwork and Fiverr and all of these different sites that are filled no longer with like um, low cost talent, like you have amazing high quality talent running full desk businesses off of these sites. Um, and so it's really interesting just to see the shift. And my guess is we're going to continue to see it as you have, as you mentioned, more and more people leaving the workforce. Well, you know, when I, I temporarily left the work, well, not really, I kind of part-time left the workforce um, after one of my kids was born because I was able to work freelance, right? Like I was able to work this part-time that turned into a company, that company got acquired, like it kind of built into a bigger thing. But I think we're going to see very similar to what we saw in the two thousands, 
happen again. And I was talking with somebody this morning. I'm at the age now where we've been through this. We know how now, maybe this is going to be a worse recession, but we've seen this pattern of how it works within the workforce and how this like freelance jump hits. And it, you know, kind of goes back and people go back into the the business world and they go back into companies, but every single time, even if it shrinks, it grows back again. Right. And so there's this, this growth pattern that's been happening since the original tech boom in the late night or tech drop in the late nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Sarah. Uh, The last thing I just want to focus on is uh, about your organization, you know, so maybe you want to give a little bit about what aspect 43 does and your upcoming research that you're working on. Yeah, so Aspect 43 is a boutique research and advisory firm focusing on HR tech and work tech. One of the things that we do very differently is all of our research, all of our reports, um, everything that we produce for practitioners and organizations is available 100% for free. You're not going to get a bunch of emails. Um, You can go directly to aspect43.com sign up for any report. You could sign up for all future reports. The only emails you will ever get from us is literally the report getting dropped in your email box. Your stuff never gets sold. Um, We found that there seemed to be a big gap in the market between high quality research data and information and the accessibility by people whose companies maybe weren't willing to pay for, for it. Um, And so we wanted to really democratize access to information. And so we've been able to partner with dozens of HR tech vendors who fully fund all of our research while having absolutely zero editorial control, say, or even opinion on anything that we are doing or working on. Um, So that is all available for them. Um, On the back end, we do run focus group so people can sign up for our research panels and be part of our big research. Um, Our next big research study insights at work comes out in less than a month, Um, but people get to actually have their say. And that research and that data is used both by organizations to look at benchmarking themselves and making changes within their own team to better meet what employees want. But we also use a lot of that data to build better technology in the industry. How do we make products better? How do we change um, product roadmaps to be actually what practitioners are looking for? Um, the second thing that we actually own is a site called HR Tech Circle, which launches in October. We're super excited about that. Um, many of those same companies that are helping fund this research, we are coming together again. I'm all about making the democratization of information and access to that information very easy for practitioners. And so HR Tech Circle is going to be bringing together a hundred or so vendors in the industry. And in one place, a practitioner can find all of the upcoming webinars, all of the industry podcasts, all of the white papers, case studies, all of the content that's being made and kind of living in lava land um, that you see not ever when you actually need it. A practitioner can go there now and actually find this information again without having to sign up for a bunch of stuff, without getting a bunch of emails, just in a really simple, easy to use way. So to participate in the research, just sign up on Aspect 43 and and download the last year's research there as well. Yep, you can do whichever. And then we publish um, market guides 
um, five to 10 times a year really explaining. So our big differentiators, we're not about telling you who, you won't see a list of vendors, there's no rating scales, there's none of that in any of our stuff. It's really about enabling people to understand what it is. So for instance, our, our TA guide, right? We redid the entire tech stack and then we defined all 34 categories and shared business case, business ROI, so that you can really understand what and why you would buy and if it makes sense for you to buy or not at this time and then how to build a business case for it. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Sarah. It's been a pleasure talking to you again. Uh, so I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Until next time. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag people strategy leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.